Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? Good. Well, Pastor Joel and Jen, like Travis said, send their love. They will be back next Sunday. I know you guys are going to be excited to see them. They're on on a sabbatical. Uh, He is taking a true sabbatical. I have not heard from him in about three weeks. So uh, that is trust right there. Love is one thing, but trust is a whole other thing. But today I'm excited to bring the word today. We're going to conclude this series on recognizing your value. I hope it's been helpful I hope it's been inspiring. Uh, You can let me know if it has or not, but um, today we're gonna wrap up uh, our series. And I wanna specifically talk about a trait that sets us apart, and that is the trait of excellence. There's not much more in my life that I'm more passionate about than this subject of excellence. And when I don't see it sometimes, your team or my team can tell me that uh, I can get a little grouchy, a little grumpy, Um, But it's a constant pursuit. Excellence is not perfection, but it is the pursuit of perfection. It is the pursuit. Webster's Dictionary defines excellence as superior, very good, best of its kind, first class, outstanding, and exceptional. See, so many of us, we want what excellent people have, but if you want what excellent people have, you have to do what excellent people do. And I think it's very important that as the body of Christ, as each one of us are sitting here, that we display this trait. You know, a lot of people aren't going to come to know Jesus like you do, but their first reaction to Jesus, to the church, is going to be you. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that you are the representatives of God. You are ambassadors of God. If you've ever been out of the country and you've seen an embassy, you know that they're not at home. They're not exactly comfortable, but at their embassy, they act how they act. They represent their home country. And as you know, here on earth, you are not home yet, but you will be one day. But while we are here, while we are foreigners, as Peter calls us, we got to be excellent. We got to be these ambassadors for God. I don't know about anyone more excellent in the Bible than Daniel. When I look at Daniel, he's somebody that I want to emulate. He's somebody that is certainly difficult to emulate, to model your life after. If you know much about Daniel or you don't, I'll just give you a quick synopsis and we'll read our main passage for today. But Daniel was a 12-year-old boy. He was in the royal family. He was Jewish. He lived in Israel when a foreign country came and ransacked Israel, the Babylonian Empire, and they took all the Jewish people with them in phases. And Daniel and his friends, you might have heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are the three guys in the fire that didn't burn up. They go through this program, the king Nebuchadnezzar puts them and all these other wise people kind of in a training league, and he puts them in a training period of three years. And by the end of it, nobody impressed the king like Daniel did, like Shadrach, like Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel quickly rose to the top of even them. 
The Bible said that the king found their advice to be 10 times better than everyone else in his kingdom. Daniel served the king for 43 years. He served for 66 years. And I love the traits that we find from his life. And I believe if it works for him, it can work for us. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. And just to preface it, this is right before Daniel goes to the lion's den. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the leadership team under him, all got jealous of Daniel. They all wanted him out. They didn't like Daniel. Even though Daniel was doing everything right, they didn't like him. So they go to the king, or before they go to the king, they try to nitpick what all they can find wrong with Daniel. See, let me tell you one quick thing about excellence. When you are excellent, you are going to provoke two reactions. You're going to provoke inspiration, and you're going to provoke jealousy. And how other people respond to your excellence has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with them. Verse 3, we read, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes, and because of his great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and princes began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize because he was faithful and honest and always responsible. I love that. He was faithful. He was honest. He was always responsible. I want to read verse 3 in the New King James. It says, Daniel distinguished himself because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. Over and over in Scripture, if you read throughout it, nobody is talked about like Daniel is talked about. Unbelievers are constantly looking at Daniel, pointing to Daniel and saying, the spirit of the living God is inside of this guy. And I believe one of the reasons that it was so easy for worldly people to realize this was because Daniel showed excellence in his life. See, the world doesn't look for the same things that we look for. We can kind of grow up in a Christian church bubble and different things start to matter to us. But I dare say that if we show this trait in our lives, it will make all the difference. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Holy Spirit, right now, we just welcome you here. I'm depending on you. I pray that you open our hearts, our ears, our spirits to receive your word. And like always, God, I ask that we leave here better than the way that we came. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Lewis and the worship team. Don't you guys love our worship team? They do a great job. All right, I got a question for you guys. Where are all the OCD people at? Wow. And you chose Oaks Church to be your home. The, 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 the OCD, maybe not clinically. I would never call myself clinically uh, this way, but there is a type of person, and I learned this, the, there is a way to do it, and there is a right way to do it. Um, and I was told over and over growing up about the right way to do it. Brandon, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but there's a right way uh, to do it. Um, everything has a place, but as I look at my grandma 
and I look at my dad and I look at me, I see that it's kind of mellowing out over the generations. But I was uh, 14 years old. First job was at God's favorite restaurant, Chick-fil-A. I'll never forget my first job. Who can forget I had a Bosnian Secret Service retired agent that was the franchise manager. And I'll never forget the first time I went back to his office to get my July 4th pen and this dude had 50 camera angles on us and we had no idea. Okay, this is a long time ago. That was a lot of camera angles for back then. But I spent two whole months at Chick-fil-A. I conquered the retail world and about two years later, I was looking for a summer job, not because I wanted to, but because my parents were like, you need to do this. You need to do something besides play PS3 and dominate the world virtually. I said, okay, I can do that. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna try this entrepreneur thing out. I'm gonna start my own business. I'm gonna start a mowing company, okay? I'm gonna keep it to that. I'm not gonna do landscaping. I'm just 16. What do I know about landscaping? But I'm gonna do a mowing company and I got behind our computer and it was a big boxy kind of looking thing. I opened uh, Windows 98 and I got on Microsoft Word, which really hasn't changed that much in the last 20 years, but I got on Microsoft Word and I started to give our business a name, C&B Mowing. That was with my best friend at the time and we had his neighborhood in Grapevine, we had my neighborhood in Roanoke and we were gonna split uh, the revenue between ourselves. You're like, man, this is easy money, okay? This is 20 to $25, depending on the lot, right? This is about 20 years ago, so you couldn't charge too much. But, and so we, we went door to door, and we left this just sheet of paper. It wasn't anything fancy. Looking back, I'm like, what was I doing? This isn't how you start a company, but I was 16. And I go to door to door, and I leave this piece of paper, and a few people bit, and we got a call and um, straight to our home telephone. You remember those things? Like, you, ha you could only answer at a home. No such thing as a cell phone yet, or we, my parents have one, but I didn't have one yet. And anyway, so we go about mowing, and my dad wants to inspect my work, make sure that he is, that I am uh, making the family name look right. Parents, you relate? Yeah, okay. So I, I go, we start mowing. I'm on yard number two or three, and I'm mowing along. It's 95 degrees outside. I'm perspiring. I feel so uncomfortable. And then I start to weed eat, and I remember I thought I was done. And my dad let me know I wasn't done. So Brandon, there's a way to do it, but there's a right way to do it. And I didn't know it, but I got a second employee just like that. My dad came up behind me, started, uh, <laughs> I didn't have to pay him nothing. It was awesome. So I started mowing. He started mowing and weed eating, showed me the right way to do it. He's like, see, this is the right way to do it. We go to the next house. I didn't pay too much attention to the right way. He quickly stepped in. Uh, I never made enough money in that business to even pay taxes. It wasn't that great. It lasted maybe a year or two. Um, not my proudest moment. But fast forward about six to eight years, and my college job was Nordstrom. And if you know about Nordstrom, Nordstrom is all about customer service. You can buy a pair of shoes from there, have a hole in your pair of shoes, and return it, get all your money back. It's amazing, okay? It's all about customer service, but they attract a certain type of person that wouldn't do that. So, but I worked in the coffee bar and they were like Nazis about how to do things and we brew the espresso and if it didn't come out between 16 to 20 seconds, we had to throw the shot out and do it over because that wasn't the Nordstrom away. It wasn't fresh enough. 
So I became a little bit OCD, a little bit that there's a right way to do it, and I was hired to start and run a coffee shop in Carrollton, Texas, and I got to hire our own team, all fairly young, and they got a picture of them. This is Brandon 20, about 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a long time ago. I wish you got to know every single one of these guys. And Carol, you're, where are you, Carol? You were working there. Maybe you were taking the picture. The hardest worker, it wasn't us. Um, but we, I remember during that time, I kind of learned from my time at Nordstrom and they started to describe my management style and they said, Brandon pays attention to everything. Like we can't do, we can't let anything slide. Like he's gonna notice the tiniest thing and I would start to maybe, the three things I would look at is everything needs to be centered. Hey, don't play with me. Don't put it over here. It needs to be centered. Everything needs to be stocked. I don't want to see the napkins empty, the sugar empty, and the countertops. The countertops, we had these syrups, and some of you that are like difficult coffee drinkers, and I mean, well, when I say difficult, high maintenance, you know. All your sugar-free, vanilla, caramel, mocha, all the stuff would get all over the counters, and they knew that I was going to go to the counter. I was going to wipe my hand across it. <laughs> And it was almost never clean. And I'd get one of those high school boys to go take care of it, right? Because that's what you do. They called it OCD. I call it excellence. Let's talk about it. Excellence is something that most people hope for, but few people work for. Most people hope for the best, but rarely work for the best. Just good enough seems to stand in the way. I love what Jim Collins says, the author of Good to Great. He says, good is the enemy of great. How many times do we get to just good enough before we even get to great? Man, I should have never listened to the Lord when he told me to preach this message because as soon as I told my wife that I was preaching on excellence, I had been held to this impossible standard at home. <laughs> She asked me to clean the front door in the entryway the other day, and it was hot. I'm like, I can't wait till tomorrow. I got to get it done now. And I got it done, and I come in with evidence of my hard work, sweat on my brow, and I didn't wipe it off. I wanted her to see the drops coming down. <laughs> I said, babe, I finished. She came out. Man, maybe nothing has changed. She came out to inspect my work. She said, yeah, it's not done. <laughs> it's not done. You're preaching on excellence on Sunday, right? I said, yeah. Tomorrow morning, we're going to get this <laughs> done. One of the reasons I think excellence might be avoided is because of what it requires when nobody else is looking. How many of you know it takes time to be excellent? It takes time to be excellent. Excellent people don't just wait for the time to do it, but they make the time to do it. John Wooden, the famous UCLA basketball coach that a lot of people know that he was a 10-time national champion winner, but before he ever won a championship, he was building the program for 15 years and wasn't considered a winner, but he was building the program his way and putting his traits and his leadership into it. And 15 years in, they started winning, but I love what he says about this. He said, if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? 
If you don't have time to do it right the first time, when are you going to have to make time to do it over? See, if you're excellent in the dark, I do believe that it will be brought to the light. Excellence starts in the small things and goes and leads into the big things. I like to think of it like an elephant. If you go to an elephant or you are by an elephant, you're not scared of whether it's going to bite you or not. Elephants don't bite humans. Have you ever been bitten by a mosquito, though? Yeah. See, it's the little things in life that will bite you. It's the little things. It's not always the big things. It's the little things before you even get to the big things. Like the Bible says, it's the foxes that spoil the vine. This church, Oaks Church, when we were founded and we still had these core values, we have four core values. You've probably seen it or heard us talk about it on our website. We believe that we're going to encounter God. We're going to align with his people. We're going to grow. We're all about growing great lives and building big people, and then we are going to give. We're going to be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. But just like we have church core values, we have staff core values that I lovingly call the Ten Commandments. And these are things that we model in our life, and we just we shortened it up that if we only had three, what would they be? And I believe the remaining seven fit within the three. And I'm going to throw it up on the screen so you can see it. I think, no, that's not it. All right, sorry. Uh, but number one is love. We're going to be, I mean, that's an easy one, right? We're going to be, we're going to love God and we're going to love people. Like scripture says, we're going to be known for our love. The second thing is empower others. We are constantly looking for people to develop into leaders. We train leaders and give them Room to rise and also freedom to fail. And the third thing that we do is we pursue excellence. We pursue excellence. You've heard the phrase, the devil is in the details, but I believe that God is in the details and so are we. The way we do anything is the way we do everything. And by pursuing excellence, by being excellent, we are always striving to do better. Does that mean we are perfect? No. Does it mean we have work to do? Yes. But just know we are on the pursuit of being excellent. As we talk about this trait of excellence, I want to go back to the three traits that Daniel would describe as. Number one, faithful. An excellent person is faithful. When this verse records that Daniel is faithful, we are in the 45 to 50 year mark of Daniel's service. Daniel's not a little kid anymore. He's about 60 years old, and his track record can show that he's been faithful throughout the decades, and people can look back at his history and know that he has this trait. See, faithfulness is easy to admire and difficult to attain. The people that I look up to the most in life is not people that everybody would know, but it's just, it's the faithful people in life. When I was 18 years old, a lot of you know I started out with Pastor Joel about 15 years ago. We just celebrated our 15-year anniversary in July. I'm kidding. Does that sound weird? Anyway, but we've been, it's a bromance. Okay. And I remember my first day interning with him, and I donated my t about 20 to 30 hours of my time for the first 
three to four years, and I went to college online, and I got my head knowledge, and I got my um, BA in theology in three years, and I remember, um, but I also got my practical, real-life experience of what I felt like God wanted me to do, and I remember my first day, I drove to Pastor Joel's house. We got in his silver Toyota Suzuki, little Japanese car. No, he doesn't have that car anymore. But we got in the Suzuki, and we drove to the youth ministry facility. And right when we pull up, I remember this day, not just because it was the first day, but this didn't really happen a lot, but I remember that it happened on this day. But we got out of the car, and there was three guys that worked there. I guess they were in the front, but they all came out. One of them grabbed his briefcase. Another one grabbed the door. Another one, I don't know, maybe grabbed his coffee or something like that. But they were serving him. They were just, you could see the honor. And I went from thinking like I'm a big shot, I'm showing up in his car to, man, I'm kind of jealous of these guys. Look at the relationship that they have. You can tell they've been together a while. But over time, I haven't done things perfectly by any means. I made a lot of mistakes. But I did something that faithful people do, and I need to do it for another 40 years to really be considered this, but I just kept showing up. Faithful people just keep showing up. The door's open, they're here. You need something, they're gonna help, or they know somebody who can help. And now I get to do the same for people. But that was the main thing that I just kept doing was showing up, and you would be amazed and how easy it is to stand out when you just keep showing up. Believe it or not, we see you. (laughs) We know who comes, we know who serves, we know who's actively involved. Faithfulness is the easy way to stand out. When I think of faithfulness, I could highlight and pinpoint so many People and I just saw, there you are. Jeremy, when I think of faithfulness, I think of you. If it's a Sunday morning, if we got a midweek, I know Jeremy and his wife Jennifer are gonna be here. They're gonna be serving, they're gonna be giving, they're gonna be putting in the time and, and they just keep showing up. You know what one of Travis's best characteristics is? Just keep showing up. Man, that dude was showing up at 12, 16, 24, 30, 30, he just keeps showing up. When I think about faithfulness, I, I know, I wish I could say every single person in here, but I do want to highlight you, Carol. When I think of faithful people, I think of people like Miss Carol Walker. That's what I think of, people that have been faithful, people that keep showing up, people that maybe other people don't realize all they're doing, but they are setting the time to be set apart. There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, and you probably heard it. Jesus tells the story of a master, and he gave one person five talents, another person two talents, another person one talent, and a talent, if I'm remembering correctly, was a lifetime. It was either a lifetime's wages or 20 years worth of wages. Either way, a lot of money. And he's giving this to these people, and we all know about the one didn't do anything, buried their treasure, but the person that was given two, the person that was given five, multiplied what they had been given. Jesus said in this story and in your life, it's gonna be the same thing. And this is what we wanna hear when we're done. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Jesus calls the servant good and faithful. Who makes you good? Jesus does. Who makes you faithful? You do. See, Jesus makes us good, but we make ourselves faithful. It's a choice on our part. It's hard to be faithful. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But before you can be faithful, let me just give you a little tip. You got to get your heart in the right place. Because guess what? Over time, you will have every chance to be offended. You will have chances to be overlooked. We are going to do things that you don't like sometimes. Not really, but every now and then, maybe something you don't like. You're going to have every reason, but faithfulness overlooks that. See, believe that God has called you here, where you are, to your workplace, to your home, and don't leave just because it takes faith to be faithful. The second thing that Daniel was known for was being honest. Now, honesty is just another word for integrity. King Solomon may have said it best in Proverbs eleven six. He said, good character is the best insurance. I like that. Good character is the best insurance. There was a golfer by the name of Bobby Jones. He was one of the greatest golfers that we've seen in American history. And he won 13 majors. And he was the first golfer that won four majors in one year. And he retired at the young age of 28. But besides all the tournaments that he won, he's most remembered for the one that he lost. In the 1925 U.S. Open, Bobby is tied for the lead. I believe they're on the 16th hole. He's already shot his first shot. He's on his second shot, and he's got his iron and he's kind of measuring it out to see where he's going to aim for, and he's getting advice, but no one's really paying attention to him. It's 1925. There's no camera crews. There's no TV crews. He's just playing, but he's getting ready, and he accidentally hits the ball. It moved half an inch. Nobody saw it, but Bobby saw it, and Bobby called a one-stroke penalty on himself because he hit the ball. The coaches, the officiating crew, they said, Bobby, don't count it. It's no big deal. It's half an inch. No one even saw it. You're the only one that saw it. But Bobby called the penalty on himself. Three strokes, three holes later, the tournament ended. Bobby lost by one stroke. But he kept his integrity intact. Winning the U.S. Open wasn't worth losing that stroke on his integrity. The army, the army of ancient Rome, the Roman uh, commander, in his daily inspection ritual, he would walk by the legionnaires, and he would check to see if his uh, legionnaires, if his soldiers were ready for battle, and he would check for two things. As he walked by, you would hit, you'd squeeze your fist like this, and you would hit right over your heart on your chest onto your armor, and as you did that, you would yell, Integris. And whenever you yelled that, he would listen for one, the rich, full quality of your voice to see if you had what it took, and two, the condition, the integrity of your armor. And that's how he checked whether he was fit, whether his men were fit for battle. Integrity is the only 
path in life where you will never get lost. If you wonder, man, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing, I wonder if I'm in the right place, hey, are you operating in integrity? It's the only path where you'll never get lost. Are you doing the right thing with the right motives? I love what Coach Bill Belichick says, I read this this morning, he said that talent sets the floor, but character sets the ceiling. Everybody has talent. But what sets you apart is not the talent, but your character, your integrity. The third and final trait that Daniel showed is he was always responsible. I think it's really interesting that um, they list three traits. They list, how did I forget the first one? Yeah, okay, they were faithful, honest, always responsible. That, that's the only one where they put the word always in front. Meaning you knew Daniel was gonna be faithful. You knew Daniel was gonna be honest, that he was gonna have integrity, but you could take his responsibility to the bank. You knew that Daniel was gonna take care of his business, that he was gonna be responsible. See, responsibility is not a social media quality that we see. It's not often that people post about their responsibilities. They post about their accomplishments, their vacations, the events that they go to. When I get on my phone and I start scrolling on Instagram or whatever it is, I might see a picture of your dog. I might see a picture of your makeup tutorial. I might see a picture of where you had lunch and how amazing that it was. But we usually don't post about the mundane inertia of life. See, responsibility isn't an Instagram quality, but it is a life quality. It's a quality of excellence. And too many people overlook responsibility for talent. So many times we can compare ourselves to somebody who may be more talented, but talented is not what being excellent is about. See, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. A lot of people that are talented don't put in the work, but it's about your excellence. It's about how responsible you are. But being responsible means that other people can, that, that they can count on us, but before other people can ever count on you, you have to take personal responsibility for your life. I know, Brandon, that, that's easy. You know, studies have been done in, Amer done in America lately says that 85% of people don't take any personal responsibility for their lives. Eight out of 10 people. Now this room is exempt. I know that doesn't exist in this room. But in another room, eight out of 10 people are gonna blame their circumstances, they're gonna blame their boss, they're gonna blame their spouse. It's always gonna be somebody else's fault. Don't you love those people? No, I don't. I don't, I don't love those people. You gotta take personal responsibility. That's where it starts. If I'm not owning my wins and my losses, then I'm not taking personal responsibility to move ahead. I love what President Theodore Roosevelt said. He said, if you could kick the person in the pants most responsible for your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. See, if you're the problem, you're, all, you're also the solution. 
And there's a phrase that I have in my mind that if it's up, if it's to be, then it's up to me. I'm going to need to do my part. So my challenge is to be someone that God can count on, that your spouse can count on, that your family can count on, that your employer can count on. Take responsibility for your life. You want to be excellent, to be known for being faithful, for being honest, and always responsible. I'm going to close with this. In 500 B.C., the band can come up if they like. In 500 B.C., there was a Greek sculptor, and he was hired to do a job. And they wanted him to sculpt some statues in front of a famous building in the city of Athens. And the sculptor started working, and he started putting his, uh, you know, all of his effort into it. But he didn't meet his deadline because he spent so much time not just on the front of the statues, but he put the same amount of time on the front as he did the back. And the city leaders came to him after the job was done and they were irate that he didn't meet, that he didn't meet his deadline. And they said, why did you put all this effort into the back of the statues? No one is even going to see this. He said, yeah, but God can see it. And I can see it too. See, there's a phrase that I say over and over, and I don't say it because I'm running thing, out of things to say, but it's, it's a prayer, it's something that I believe for my life, I wanna believe it for your life, and I, when I pray, I'll usually include something about always leaving better than the way that I came. What if you left every person, every place, every position, better than the way that you found it. You know, I think if we took the time, if we took the effort, if we were diligent and we paid attention to the fact that we need to be excellent in our lives. See, it's not about just, man, I recognize my value. I know what God's called me to. No, but are you being excellent in your life? Because a lot of people won't even come to Jesus if they don't see that we're not doing things the right way, if we're not being faithful, if we're not being honest, if we're not being responsible. See, they haven't even met him yet, but they've met you. And we're not going to do things perfectly, but we can do things faithfully. We can do it the right way. And I think if this is something that we pursue, if this is something that we pay attention to, man, what will your life look like in a year? What will your life look like in five years, in 10 years? See, so many times we overestimate what we can do in one year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. I don't know about you, but when I look back at my life five years ago, I laughed. My man, what was I thinking? But I'm also seeing the time that I'm putting in, the time that you're putting in. And when you just make yourself 1% better every single day, you're going to look a whole lot different at the end of the year. And who knows what God can do through you if you pursue excellence. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. 
God, we thank you that you've trusted us, Lord. We thank you for this life that you called us to steward. God, help us to be known as people who are faithful, people who are honest, people that are responsible. Holy Spirit, we need your help in this. We need your strength in this. Give us a heart for other people. Give us a heart for our lives. God, I just thank you for what you're going to do in and through us, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we love you guys. I am going to turn it over to Travis and he'll take it from there. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.